It is a, or it was, a sort of cool and drizzly morning in a small town in Arkansas. And as my teenage legs walked up these stairs to a very unfamiliar doorway, I have to admit that my legs were kind of heavy and very uninspired. And the reason is, is that this was the second day of a two-day door-knocking campaign that, that I've been on. Kevin, you've been on those cam- many of those campaigns. And so, I have to tell you that as I knocked on what seemed to be hundreds and hundreds of doors, I, I wasn't getting hardly any welcoming reactions at these, at these doorways. I felt like I had a pretty good pitch. I had a pretty good intro. Hello, my name's Monty, and uh, uh, we're in your neighborhood. I'm in your neighborhood today, and we're just looking for people who might be interested in hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ. How about you? I thought that was a pretty good statement to make, but after having said that over and over again, basically the only positive response that I had gotten so far in the two days was a polite, no thank you. For me, I'll just speak of me, for me, this experience in Arkansas was the norm. Being a part of door knocking campaigns and door knocking on uh, in communities in Arkansas and in Oklahoma and Kansas and Colorado and Texas. Time and time again, as, as I sought to somehow share uh, my faith in Jesus with others, it, it yielded the same result, which was, as I've said, basically the result of no thank you. And as that took place, it it started producing essentially the same effect in me. And that effect was disappointment. A lot of disappointment. Beyond door knocking, over the years, uh, I've been involved in, in things like joy bus evangelism. You remember those days? Joy bus evangelism, and, and I've done things for strangers and, and people that weren't a part of the kingdom in order to, to, to do good for them and hopefully open the doorway to, to share the gospel with them. Over the years, I've, I've preached and been a part of, of gospel campaigns. I, I've handed out Connect to God, uh, to God cards. I, I've, I've put uh, ads in newspapers. I prayed with waiters and with waitresses and, 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 and so many more things. And while there have been, a, some, have been some studies and a few people have decided to follow Jesus, the percentages have been disappointing to say the least. In the end, I I look at my contacts to conversion ratio, (laughs) 
And to be honest, it just leaves me disappointed. And, and it's not just about disappointment. Let me share this with you. As disappointment after disappointment and as disappointment come from trying to, trying to share that faith with other people and have them become followers of Jesus, as, as, as those disappointments come, also at times there comes this spirit of disillusionment. There are times that I've had to fight against this, this insidious thought of, why even try? If this is the way it's going to be time and time and time again, why, why am I out here? and Why am I making all this effort if I'm just going to end up disappointed in the end? My guess this morning is, is that many of you have experienced those same disappointments. That many of you have had it in, in your heart to, to go out and make disciples. And as you did that, you, you too, like, like, like me, you sincerely wanted others to hear and believe and repent and confess and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You wanted that too. And, and, and you went out there believing that that, that it was your job, your responsibility as one who had been called out of darkness into the light of Jesus. It was your responsibility to be out there proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus, of him who called you out of darkness, who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And, and you were out there believing, as, as I believed, in that divine logic that is communicated in Romans chapter 10 and verses 13 through 15. I wish we had time to break that down, but let me summarize it. You believed that if other people were going to believe in Jesus, you were going to have to tell them about Jesus. You believed that too. But in the end, you too may have been left greatly disappointed at the lack of response. The response, the lack of response, bringing disappointment, and maybe even that insidious thought of why. Why am I continuing to do this when I seem to get the same disappointing result time and time again? Well, if this has been your experience, as it's been my experience, and I, I think many who have gone out to try to share their faith with others, let me share with you this morning a realization that has helped to positively reshape my view of making disciples. And, 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 and basically, as I tell you this, you're going to look at me and go, hmm, I, I would have thought you knew that. But I'm afraid not only did, did I not have this, this view, I'm afraid that many others may have or may will have the same view. Here's the realization. I realized that the great disappointment 
that I was feeling and that I was experiencing was rooted in an erroneous notion. And that notion is that there's supposed to be a high correlation between my discipling efforts and the positive response of other people. Does this sound familiar to you at all? That, that if I just get out there and I work this hard, if I do what I'm supposed to be doing, then I'm going to get good, re, I'm going to get good results. As a matter of fact, sometimes the thinking is very simple, and it looks like this, this equation. Much effort equals much fruit, right? Just do it. Just do the right thing. Get out there, and when you put in a lot of effort, you're going to get a lot of fruit back. God's going to bless you, going to bless you in those ways. That was the erroneous notion that I lived in for, 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 for a long time, I think. And, and as I thought, maybe I got that notion. Follow me here. Maybe that notion came as a result of, uh, of me either having a, an overly simplistic or a misinterpretation of Jesus' words when he said, the fields are widened to harvest. And then as I went out to harvest, and, and, and they didn't seem very ripe, and, and there weren't, wasn't much of a har- harvest, I became disappointed in myself. I became disappointed in this notion of making disciples, and, and maybe, maybe there was something wrong with me. Or, or maybe this erroneous notion sprung up in my mind as a result of growing up in the church and, and over, over all these years having experienced generation after generation or year after year, decade after decade, the fact that there were always these surefire evangelistic techniques springing up, right? Where, where they're insinuating, hey, if you'll just get involved and use fishers of men, you're going you're gonna to catch a lot of fish. If you'll just use the blood study, that, that's the way it really works. Hey, and if you really want to know the secret, get yourself one of them Jewel Miller film strip machines. Hey, amen. See, there's one of them. And, and, if, you can, and if you can't do that, do the one-shot method or, or, or do the I am method or, or whatever one that that's out there out of the thousands that if you do the right method the right way you're going to experience much fruit maybe that's where i got that erroneous notion from from that idea or maybe it came from the 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 fact that i assumed that acts chapter 2 and acts chapter 4 were the norm that I assumed if I just got out there, if we just got out there and really gave them the right type of sermon, that thousands of people would respond. That people would go, oh man, that's, yes, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Or maybe, just maybe, I lived in this erroneous notion because I wasn't listening to Jesus. And I wasn't listening to the apostles who gave a different view of disciple-making than I had. Jesus said, 
Matthew 7 and verse 14. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. Listen. And there are few who find it. And then Jesus says again, for many are called, but what? Few are chosen. And Paul then says, as as he talks about how he's adjusted his life as an evangelist and an ambassador for Christ, he, he, he makes that memorable statement and he says, I become all things to all men so that I may by all means win some. You see, I don't know how I got that erroneous notion. Maybe I listened to the wrong people, or maybe I didn't listen to the right people, like Jesus and the apostles. But at the end of the day, I had this wrong view that much effort would produce much fruit. Now, now hear this and understand this before I go on. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that God could not bring about another Pentecost moment again. And, and by that I mean that God couldn't, in His providence, in His power, uh, and in His purpose in the world, he, he couldn't somewhere in some way bring about a, a, a mass repentance of people somewhere. And, and I'm not saying that, that there aren't... Uh, Seasons that might rise up like we've experienced in our restoration history. Seasons in which people are open and eager to responding to the gospel. I'm not saying that those seasons can't still still come about. And I'm also not saying that there are not places in this world today where people aren't eager to respond to the gospel because that's just not true. But what I'm saying for you and for me, or at least in my experience, is those things are exceptions and not the rule for us living right here in Lubbock, Texas. But even though I'm not saying those things, I, I want us to think this morning in a different way. I'm suggesting that instead of evaluating our disciple-making mission according to people's responses, instead of going out here in our life and working and churning away in our disciple-making efforts and, and, and continue to become disappointed time and time again by their responses, by the fact that people are saying no thank you, or they're shutting the door in our face, or they're, they're laughing at us, or for whatever reason they're communicating that they're not interested at all, instead of evaluating what we're doing based on those responses, what I'm asking you and what I'm asking all of us and to do this morning is to focus on a true hope. And here's what I'm talking about. Instead of focusing and evaluating according to responses, just focus in on and evaluating according to the hope 
that's within you. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 26. And I want you to see where this hope is coming from. Listen to what Paul is saying, and this is so crucial for us as people who want to make disciples. People who want to lead others to Christ. Listen to what he's, he's saying. He's been, he's been telling King Agrippa in 26 about his experiences with Jesus and his relationship and his faith in Jesus and his purpose in Jesus. And then in verse 28, it says this, Then Agrippa said to Paul, Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, Short time or long, I pray, verse 29, I pray God, that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. Do you see, do you hear the hope that Paul is bringing to this occasion? You see, Paul is not speaking to Agrippa on, on this occasion because or in a mindset that says, I expect a positive response from Agrippa and all those people that are listening. I, I, I'm just going to knock this thing so far out of the ballpark that this king and all these other people are going to go. We believe. He didn't come with that expectation. But what he came with was a, 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 a desire He came driven by hope. And that hope is, is that Agrippa and that everyone else that was listening would become as he is, except for the chains. You see, what he's coming with is not, well, I expect they're going to respond or not respond. He's coming and he's just saying, I hope that when I speak to you about Jesus, that you can experience the same blessings in Jesus that I'm experiencing. He's driven not by a, a, a discipling or evangelistic model, but he's driven by an eternal hope of truth that hopes that other people can experience the same justification that he's experienced through faith in Jesus Christ. He wants Agrippa to be able, he, he, he desires in all of his heart for Agrippa to experience the saving grace of Jesus that he's experienced. He wants Agrippa to experience the peace of God through Jesus Christ. He wants Agrippa and everyone who's listening to experience the same assurance of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ that he's experienced. He's not interested or he's not focused on their response. He is focused on his hope, and because of his hope, he's going to speak, regardless of what his expectation would be of what their response is going to sound like. You see, while Paul's heart, I believe this, while Paul's heart would surely be disappointed, disappointed that Agrippa didn't believe he will not be disappointed in the mission of making disciples. 
He's not going to be disappointed in the mission. He's not going to become disillusioned or disheartened about the mission because the mission is in his heart. It's not in their response. And so he's just going to keep speaking, and he's just going to keep speaking because he had this great hope within him. It's never been about his expectation of who or how many will respond, but it's been about the desire to inspire. His personal desire to inspire others to experience what he's experienced in Christ Jesus. And he's not going to be disappointed also, and, 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 and I'm going to sort of pull this out, He's not going to be disappointed because it's about hope and not expectation, but he's not going to be disappointed because he has been, he is, and will ever be trusting in God for the increase. It's not about him. That's what he tells the Corinthians. He says, he said, uh, I planted and Apollos watered and what? God provided the growth or God gave the increase. Paul is not going to walk away from this time with Agrippa if Agrippa doesn't respond and go, oh man, if I if I had just done Jewel Miller with him, he's not going to walk away and go, if I had just done a better job with the blood study, if I'd have just shown all the nuances of Christ's saving blood through from Genesis to Revelation, if I'd have just done that better. No, he's going to walk away trusting in God, not himself. And I think sometimes that's where our disappointment really comes from. It's because it was really more about us than about what God was doing with this person or these people in our lives. This morning, I've got just about 12 points here in the end. I really have two, two simple but important points. As we end and have this final lesson in our Lift Up series, first of all, I want to say this. We can lift up discipling or making disciples. We can lift that. We can make that more prominent in our life. If instead of elevating our expectations of how people will respond, instead we'll elevate our desire to inspire. Just make that our hope, that hope, the thing that drives us. That we desire to inspire others to experience exactly the same things we're experiencing. I don't know what their response will be. Their, their blinds on their house are closed. The door's locked up. Uh, they, they don't look the right way. They don't act the right I don't know what their response is, but I'm going to talk to them anyhow because I have a desire to inspire them to become just like me. As one blessed by Jesus Christ. I I want them to have the same justification. I want them to have the same grace. I want them to have the same forgiveness. I want them to have the same hope. I want them to have the same assurances. I want them to have the same things that Christ has given me. And it's that hope that drives me to try to inspire someone to follow Jesus. Then secondly, 
I, I, I believe we can lift up discipling by making by engaging our hope. Uh, we have this hope, and we should have this hope, that others will experience Christ and His blessings as we have. But at some point, we want to engage that hope. And, and I'm not giving you a four-step methodology here. And I'm not giving you another technique. I'm just trying to help you create a mindset. And here's what it is. A few ways to engage your hope. First of all, appreciate casual interactions. I know we're surrounded by a lot of people. I know there's a lot of business, a lot of hustle, a lot of bustle that's going on uh, in, in our lives. And so there's just this, this tendency to look at everybody. What I'm saying is, is to appreciate casual uh, interactions is to stop getting overwhelmed and distracted by everyone and focus on the person right in front of you today. Say to them and act in a way that says, I see you. I see you. I, I'm going to know your name. I, I remember your name from the last time we, I, I saw you. And, and, and not only that, I, I just want to say that I'm recognizing that you're doing a good job here in, in this situation. And in these casual interactions with people, we're telling them, I, I, I know your name, I see you, I see what you're doing. I, we're also trying to show them the grace of Jesus in just those casual interactions. And then through those casual interactions, our hope is, is that then we'll be able to move into nurturing more meaningful connections with them. That this goes beyond just knowing their name, but knowing more fully who they are. What's driving them? What are, what's at the center of their life? What, what, what are their struggles? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? And start talking with them and sharing hours with them and, and they with us. And getting to know who they are deeper and deeper in more and more meaningful relationships. And as those connections are made, then we start looking in those moments in which we can introduce a spiritual element. They may never have known very quickly that, that who we are, what we're about as, as Christians. But when something happens in their life, we take that as, an, as a doorway to say, let me, let me talk to you spiritually here for a moment. And maybe it's not, hey, you want to study a Bible with me? That's not what I'm talking about. It's about seeing that they have something going on in their lives and saying, hey, can, can I pray about that with you? I, I've learned that having spent time with you, that your kids are, are, are on the same team as, as my kids in, in soccer or some other sport. And, and I heard your kid broke his leg last week. And could, could I just pray about that with you or for you? Would you mind that? Or, or maybe it's a moment in which, in, in which we see that they have some type of struggle going on or challenge in their lives. And we offer some resources that we have here in our church. We've got benevolent resources to help people in need. And maybe we go and say, listen, at my church, where I go, 
we can help you with that. It's just something that we're trying to do to introduce in their lives a spiritual center that's going on in our lives. And then finally, we want to try to extend a discipleship invitation. At some point, we've got to get to the point where we invite them to take part in a conversation about the kindness of Jesus and his salvation that he wants to share with them. I believe these four keys are, are so important. And over the next, uh, during September on Wednesday nights, I'm going to be doing what I'm calling four conversations to support disciple-making. We're going to get together in a classroom, and we're just going to have conversations about what casual looks like, about what meaningful looks like, about what spiritual looks like, and about what discipling looks like. So I hope you, I hope you can come and join in that conversation with me. Let me end this way. Today, I don't know if you're using Jewel Miller. I don't know if you're using the blood study. I don't know if you're involved maybe in friend speak or let's start talking. Uh, uh, I don't know what you're doing. Maybe you're going with Jeff Smith on disciple trips. Maybe that's what you're doing. Maybe you've been with the youth on, on youth trips. I don't know what it is you're doing. Maybe you're involved in World Bible School. I, I don't know. All I'm saying to you this morning is keep going. And as you go, remember this. It's not about their response. It's all about your hope and your desire for them to be just like you. And if you'll take that into your disciple-making mission I'm confident you will not be disappointed and you will not grow disillusioned. This morning, maybe it's you that I've been talking about this morning. Someone who now needs and is ready to take on all the blessings of Jesus Christ. His salvation through baptism. His Holy Spirit. The grace He's ready to offer you. The forgiveness and eternal life He's ready to extend you. Maybe you're ready for that this morning. Do that. Come and share that with us as we stand, as we sing.